voting, as with any part of a Christian's life, needs to be approached thoughtfully. Because voting is an expression of an opinion, and that opinion derives from a deeper set of beliefs. Rarely, though, do we examine those deeper set of beliefs to see if they're actually accurate, correct, or incorrect. Today, we're going to actually peel back the layers of parties and ideologies to get to the underlying vision of how one believes the world works. And when we do that, we will expose the misconceptions that lead to bad policy and we'll see things clearly in order to vote correctly. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Andrew Omar Show. I'm so happy that you've tuned in. Folks, today, I'm not exaggerating, it is one of the most important episodes I've ever recorded. Dun, dun, dun. I know, pretty dramatic. But I promise, I'm not exaggerating. We'll, We'll get into it. But before we do... Register today for question that is right around the corner, November 12th. I want to see you there. I'll save you a seat. It's completely free, but registration is essential. Plus, when you register, you have a chance to submit your questions. That way, your questions get priority because we will have an opportunity to ask questions live, but pre-submitted ones get priority since you took the time to register. It's time to learn to defend our faith with reason and relevancy. Plus, bring a friend who might not um, be a Christian or have some questions of their own. Hey, it's always great to at least open conversations. I'm not saying that I'm going to have every answer to every question, but at least we can have a thoughtful and meaningful conversation about it. Folks, if you're listening to this as it comes out, it is the day before voting day in Texas, at least. And maybe some of you already voted. Congratulations. Way to go. Be a good citizen. But maybe you haven't voted or maybe you can't vote. Well, either way, whatever... um, situation you might find yourself in. This episode is still for you because voting is just a way to publicly show what you support. So we're going to be talking about how should Christians support things politically, right? How should a Christian vote in that sense? So what we're going to be talking about goes beyond even politics, beyond this election, and just at really addresses the fundamental way that we think. I mean, y'all know this show. We always go deep. So regardless if you've voted, you haven't voted, you don't want to miss this episode. So how should a Christian vote? That is the question of today's episode. And it's going to take a little bit to answer it because I think we need to always think deeper. I could have easily just said, hey guys, a Christian should vote their values and you know, don't just categorize yourself as a conservative Christian, a liberal Christian, be a Christian who is conservative or a Christian who is liberal, which I have my my own kind of thoughts about, about that one. But anyways, you know, start from your Christian identity and work out your politics that way. That would be very simplistic to say, but I think this topic deserves a more critical uh, analysis, a more intentional analysis about the subject. So the first thing, though, as we start is, can you even answer the question of how should a Christian vote? Because I remember a guy approached me after a question, and he's like, hey, Andrew, there's so many labels like liberal, conservative, who should I be? right? Who should I be as a Christian? And this may be a question that you might ask yourself right now. Do I need to take a label? Well, the good thing is we're not really going to be talking about too much about labels here, like, oh, you have to be Republican, or you have to be Democrat. Not, not at all. We're going to go deeper still, and then we're going to have a bunch of practical applications. I promise you that. But we have to start by kind of answering the assumption behind my question, right? Because an assumption behind my question is, should a Christian even vote, vote, with, vote to begin with? And the answer is yes, 
If you have an an opportunity to vote, do so. You have a voice. We live in a Federalist Republic, which our elections are carried out democratically. Use your voice. Don't complain about something that you had a chance to change. But also, only because I know one of the reasons people don't like to vote, at least as Christians, is there's not the best candidate out there, right? It's not the perfect one, and they're both bad or whatever it is. But here's the truth. Just because there's not the best candidate doesn't mean that there's not a good candidate out there. Don't forfeit the good for the best. Okay, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Because we have to remember, voting, as with any part of a Christian's life, needs to be approached thoughtfully. Because voting is an expression of an opinion, and that opinion derives from a deeper set of beliefs. Rarely, though, do we examine those deeper set of beliefs to see if they're actually accurate correct or incorrect? Do they really align with the truth of reality, the truth of the Bible, or do we just pick them up from culture or our favorite celebrity? Well, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to get very practical. We're going to talk about capitalism, socialism, why socialism promises, why socialist promises never deliver. Um, we're going to talk, talk about gun, gun control. Well, I don't vote for candidates who want to take away guns or, or extremely restrict the ability to own a gun. And as we'll talk, that, in fact, doesn't keep people safer. We'll also talk about equality, justice, and why I don't fall for democratic promises about equality. Also discussing crime and, and policing and transgender issues. And it's going to be a packed episode. And we're, we're definitely going to get to the what to vote for. But before we do that, we're going to talk about the how. Because it's not just enough for me to say, vote your values. Like, oh, just vote your values. Because what if your values are crap? Like, honestly, what if you just have really bad values and you have really bad ideas? Don't go don't, don't go vote those. You know, we have to go get deeper because it's too easy when talking about politics to get kind of get tied up in a sort of tribalism, right? Where we have the Republicans versus the Democrats and liberal, conservative, left-wing, right-wing. And then there's those that, that they're like, oh, dude, I'm so detached from politics. I don't really care. And you just feel like a better person because you're not in that world of politics. But regardless, everyone has an idea of who to blame right? Each side blames the other for society's problems and sees them as the real enemy. Well, today we're going to actually peel back the layers of parties and ideologies to get to the underlying vision of how one believes the world works. And when we do that, we will expose the misconceptions that lead to bad policy and we'll see things clearly in order to vote correctly. So that's a big task, but we will do it. I promise you. It's almost like I'm going to give you a crash course into this idea of a vision. I promise stick with me because we're going to get very, very practical. First, let's kind of define the word vision. I'm not talking about like your vision for 2023 or what are your goals and your new year resolutions. I'm not talking about that. It's not a dream or even an idea of the future. Instead, a vision is more like our sense of how the world works. It's not necessarily an articulated sense. Maybe you've never thought about it, but that's kind of the point because it's it's the system of beliefs that guides your thinking to begin with. So there's a great author, Thomas Sowell, who wrote a book called The Conflict of Visions. I'm getting a lot of this information from him, uh, which I encourage you to read it. It's like a lot. <laughs> and I'm really summarizing it, but he kind of gives examples, right? Like for example, maybe the caveman or the primitive man thought that the wind blew because of the spirit or the volcanoes erupted because of the gods. And that was just his vision of how the world worked. Newton had a different vision. 
who else? Um, he says Einstein had a totally different vision how the world works or people like Edmund Burke or Jean-Jacques Rousseau, which were like philosophers and political philosophers, they had a different vision of how humanity worked. You know, these visions are the foundations on which theories are built. So the fact that you've never thought about it kind of proves my point because it's the main framework of what, that guides your thinking. So there are two main visions I want you to think about, okay? We're going to focus on these throughout the episode. The constrained vision and the unconstrained vision. Sounds kind of inter- interesting. Well, we're going to spend a lot of time defining these because once we do, it's going to be like a snowball effect. You're going to see things way more clearly, be able to see through the smoke of polit- politicians' lies. Because come on. Politicians just want to just either want to get elected and will tell you what they want. But but whenever you get understand these visions, you'll be able to see through that and see what's actually going on behind the scenes. It's almost like a superpower. Okay, maybe that's a bit of overpromising, but it's still really good. So let's talk about the unconstrained and the constraint. So the constraint, we'll start with that one, believes that life has inherent constraints, right? Constraints means limitations, restrictions. So for example, um, that nature is not fair itself because people who live in the mountains tend to fall behind people who live in the plains just because they have geographical restraints or limitations. Or think about people who settled in West Europe versus East Europe. East deals with harder and harsher climate. So more limitations, more constraints, and they fell behind a little bit from those in the West. Kind of Get the point of what I'm talking about. Great. Well, it's not just nature that has these constraints. It's also human nature that has these constraints. Because human nature, this is what this vision believes, has these internal constraints. And one of them being um, selfishness. And you're going to notice that this is the main difference between the unconstrained and the constraint is their understanding of human nature, okay? So the constrained vision understands that one of man's constraints, and we're saying that word a lot because we're going to just continue to do so, man's limitations, internal limitations, is his selfishness, right? Man naturally looks out for his own interests. I'll give you an example. Adam Smith, he's one. Of, he's considered the father of the free markets or the father of capitalism, lived in the 18th century. Before he was known as an economist, he was actually known as a philosopher. And he gave an example about man's selfishness that I think we can all relate with. Back in his day, he said, you know, imagine a man who uh, who lived in Europe. And while he was living in Europe, all across the world, in China, the entire Chinese empire got swallowed up in an earthquake. How would that man in Europe react when he heard the news about China? Maybe he'll, you know, feel feel sorrow, you know, for the people that were lost and in the, in the civilization that was lost. And gosh, I mean, he might even think about how fragile life is and how futile our work is when they can disappear in a moment's notice. But after thinking about it, after all this kind of philosophy, he's just going to continue his day, like as if it never happened. And can you honestly blame this man? I mean, come on, we do this every day with social media. Like social media floods us with terrible news around the world. But if it doesn't affect us directly, we kind of just move on. Because Inherently, we're focused on our own interests. I mean, Adam Smith wrote about this in 1759, but with social media, we can see that it's it's true. And here's the fact of this vision, is that these moral constraints, these moral lim- limitations, especially man's selfishness, is not necessarily something that's lamented or 
something to be changed. It just is. It's just a fact of life. Humans are this way. And this is the basic notion of this vision of constraint vision. Because now, how you work out social policy is with the understanding that humanity is this way. So the challenge is how to make the best out of the possibilities that exist within this constraint. Does that kind of make sense? I think so. So in other words, Smith was a realist. He just saw life as it was. Man is selfish, so how can we get selfish man to do something good for his neighbor? How can we get selfish man to help the economy and help society prosper? And that's kind of how he worked out his vision, his social policies, and we're going to see this play out in, in a little bit. He he basically just worked with the hands, the cards that he was dealt, right? Uh, another part of man's constraints is not just his selfishness, it's his limited knowledge. Like Adam Smith knew that, and I think we all know, that not one person can know it all, right? Life is way too complicated for one person to understand all of it and be able to control all of it. Like it just doesn't matter how educated a man becomes, how advanced one becomes morally or intellectually. You just can't know enough about every detail in life to be able to make decisions better than the person who's living that life. Does that kind of make sense? You're going to see a little bit more about that. Because um, here's something that we have to understand is the constraint vision just says man is, well, human, right? He's imperfect. Like right now, you might have never articulated it this way, but you understand it, right? You're like, yeah, duh, man is like fallen. <laughs> man is imperfect. Man is, if you're a Christian, you might say man has a fallen nature, right? And and this is what kind of this vision understands that although man can improve, he can't be perfected. Because his constraints are inherent. You can't get rid of those constraints. Maybe you can diminish them or or help, um, yeah, help diminish them, but you can't change them. So whatever a man is part of, he will take with him those internal constraints. So this is something that other writers, not just Adam Smith, but people in the political realm, like Edmund Burke or Alexander Hamilton, they talked about this all the time. In fact, it was um, Edmund Burke who, who talked about a radical infirmity in all of human contrivances. Now, of course, you know, he's Irish-British, so that doesn't make any sense to me. My American brain, I'm like, what in the world are contrivances? Of course, he, he said in, in the British accent, right? So he's, there's a radical infirmity in all human contrivances. I looked up the word contrivances, by the way. It basically means endeavors or things that they create. So basically, whatever man makes, it's just ain't gonna be perfect because the one who made it is not perfect. Or Alexander Hamilton basically talked about institutions and he said, the reason that human institutions, no matter how amazing they are, they will always have defects is because of the one who created those institutions, the institutor, right? This is Alexander Hamilton, um, one of our founding fathers. So, so far, how are we doing? That was the constraint vision. Wow, that was like a crash course to the constraint vision. What about the unconstrained vision? Well, you can kind of understand it pretty quickly. It's just the opposite. Man has no internal constraints. It's not that man is perfect, but man is inherently good. Like he's benevolent. By he, he naturally looks out for other people's interests, right? The unconstrained vision doesn't really care that like inherently within nature, there's, there's already inequality. Um, like we talked about the mountain, the people in the plains in Eastern and Western Europe. Because for them, even in human nature, they're like, well, 
human nature is good and can be perfected. It's not perfect yet, but it's inherently good. There's no internal limitations within man, neither in his selfishness or, or, or even knowledge. The, the, uh, the unconstrained vision believes that a man can get to a point of understanding so much that a selected few can guide the lives of the many. Quote, unquote, the experts. How many times have we heard that the last couple of years? The experts say this. We heard that a lot during COVID, didn't we? The experts in D.C. decided what was best for everyone across a country that spans for thousands of miles. Oh, yeah, someone in D.C. knew what was best for every person in the United States. That's a working out of the unconstrained vision that somehow a man can get so intellectual that he knows what is best for everybody, that the very few can make decisions for the big, bigger crowd. You know, one one of the main thinkers, because we've talked about the constrained vision, right? The Adam Smith, the Edmund Burke, the, the Alexander Hamilton. But one main thinker for the unconstrained vision, the complete opposite, was a guy called William Godwin. Now, of course, he was a British man because all intellectuals were British at that point, apparently. Now, this one was some French intellectuals, which we shall talk about in a second. But this William Godwin, he, he wrote a book called, in 1793 called The Inquiry Concerning Political Justice. Basically, like a 1793 version of social of modern social justice. And he talked about a vision totally different than Adam Smith, like completely opposite. And the thing is, it's not that Godwin didn't believe that man could be selfish. It's just he didn't believe that it was inherent in man. And this is what he writes, and I'm quoting him. Let me <clears throat> get on my, my persona. Men are, are capable, no doubt, of preferring an inferior interest of their own, aka be selfish, to a superior interest of others, aka be generous. But this preference arises from a combination of circumstances, and it's not necessarily an invariable law of, of a nature. Okay, if you could understand through my terrible British accent, what he's saying is, man is not selfish by nature. Selfishness comes from a combination of circumstances. Like, can you even see, I'm sure you can see the contrast right now. Constrained vision says, no, man is selfish by nature. The unconstrained says, it's from a combination of circumstances around him. And we're going to see things even more clearly. Like here, here's a pract- a real life example of how this vision worked out. Remember the 20, 2020 race riots? There was a, an unbelievable amount of looting. And this looting was justified by people, especially on the kind of the, the left side of the of political ideology, even by Christians, because they they said that this, that the looting was a reaction to a combination of circumstances. It's not that people were selfish and people had evil in their hearts and they were just taking advantage of a situation and then stealing. No, 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 no. It was in fact that this inferior interest of stealing arose from a combination of circumstances. Really? Like that that just seems like a fancy way to like dismiss bad behavior. Because in this case, the, the combination of circumstances was the death of George Floyd, this idea of white supremacy, and if you steal something from uh, from Target, you're you're somehow bashing whiteness, right? These are kind of the lies from the left. And by the way, a little hint here, the left usually has a unconstrained vision of man. That's a little bit cheat code. I'm, t- I'm telling you in advance. So, so far, we've kind of understood the, these different visions. I want to say a little bit more of this unconstrained one. 
Gottfried, the same author, he also refers to man, uh, what he says that man can be made into something. So he thinks that man, man's nature is malleable, that you can in fact perfect him, which is just totally opposite to the other vision, right? Because Edmund Burke's like, no way, you cannot, like you have, you have to act with men with what we got. You can't perfect them. There was a one more uh, proponent of this unconstrained vision I want you to know about. Jean Jacques Okay, I don't know how to say his name, but let's just call him Rousseau. This is what he wrote in a French accent, of course. A, a man is born free, but everywhere in chains. What? Wait a second, that was not French at all. That was more like African. That man is born free, but everywhere in chains. That was more like African, right? But a, a French accent is a man is born free, but everywhere in chains. I don't know if that was a French accent, but let's just let's just get to the point here. These are the main differences between the visions. The constrained vision believes that man has internal chains, okay? That man is not born free. His chains come from within, mainly. The unconstrained vision says, no, 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 no. All chains and all limitations come from external circumstances, mainly institutions. So we've called the constrained vision the realist, right? The one who works with the real world. We can call the unconstrained vision the idealist. So we got the realist and the idealist. Now, you might have kind of already guessed what vision I'm leaning towards, right? Because I'm already calling them the realist and the idealist. Because yeah, I do believe that the constrained vision is the correct one. Man's natural constrained condition is a repercussion of his fallen spiritual condition, right? The Bible is like very clear about this. Romans 3.10, quoting from the Psalms, what does, what does the Apostle Paul write, right? That no one is righteous, not one, that no one seeks for God, that no one does good, that not even one. And listen to Jesus' words. I mean, Jesus is basically basically right here, denouncing the unconstrained vision. Listen to this. He says in Mark 7, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. So, so notice what Jesus said here. He said, out of the heart, not out of the circumstances, like God once said, no, 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 out of the heart. Not out of the institutions, but out of what? The heart. Because the unconstrained vision of human nature is incorrect. It's unbiblical. It's not even in tune with reality. So a Christian should vote with a correct vision of human nature. That's If you can take anything from what we've talked so far, is that a Christian should vote with the correct vision of human nature. Now, how do these visions work themselves out in policy, right? Because we want to get practical. We're almost to the point that we can talk about what to vote for, because now we understand that these visions are at play. Different political parties have these visions, and now we know, okay, this policy is not realistic. It's idealistic, and that's great, but it wouldn't work in reality, versus this policy, maybe it's not the best policy, but it's going to work in reality. So one thing we have to understand about how these both visions play out, okay, is that the constrained vision, because of its understanding of human nature, will offer incentives and trade-offs. Let me explain. Since man is not inherently generous, okay, by nature, 
We're not inherently benevolent. We have to make incentives to make him act generously or to be benevolent. Let me give you an example. Tax deductions on, on giving on charity. Wouldn't it be just great that everyone just gave to charity just to give to charity? Yeah, and there's a lot of people do, which a lot of them mostly Christians that do because their hearts have been transformed by Jesus, something that the constrained, unconstrained vision tries to do without Jesus but ultimately fails. But that's exactly why we have tax deductions, right? Because it's literally an incentive to make selfish people want to give. It's an incentive. Or what about dealing with crime? Crime, since the constrained vision says, no, you can't change the heart of a person. So if a person is going to commit a crime, he's going to commit a crime. Unless there's a trade-off. And the trade-off is called the rule of law, which says, if you steal, you get punished. There's your trade-off. I mean, you you better think twice how much you want that bubblegum. Because you can take it. It's illegal, but you can. And what are you gonna, what's going to happen? It's going to be a trade-off. You get the bubblegum. Actually, you don't even uh, eat the bubblegum, but you just go to prison or wh- whatever the punishment is, right? That is, it's incentives and constraints because the constrained vision sees incentives and trade-offs as always present in society because they deal best with man's always present nature in society. Make sense so far? Okay, great. The unconstrained vision, dude, the unconstrained vision like hates incentives and trade-offs because they're unnecessary. Like you don't have to incentivize man to be generous because man is inherently generous. It just sees like they're unnecessary because it's possible to achieve directly what these incentives want to achieve indirectly. So as we'll talk about like socialism, it's like, no, forget capitalism, which incentivizes people to do good in society and that way they get some type of reward. How about we force people to be generous? How about we take their money and force them to give it to other people? That's literally socialism. And we'll talk about why that doesn't work. So they don't like, they don't like uh, these incentives or trade-offs. Instead, it proposes solutions. And solutions are amazing, according to Unconstrained Vision, because they're like, look, and this is what you'll kind of see through democratic policies and leftist policies, is that they always talk about solutions, right? We're going to solve this virus. We're going to solve poverty. We're going to solve racism. We're going to solve inequality. Because if man's problems are because of quote-unquote circumstances or institutions, then they're solvable, right? I mean, here's a radical kind of idea of how how this plays out. Uh, Let's take crime as an example. How do you get rid of crime? Are you ready for this? Check this out. This, I'm a genius. I've solved, I've solved it. I've solved life. Look at this. The way that you get rid of, let's say, theft is you abolish the institution of private ownership. Because if no one owns anything, how can someone steal something? Ta-da! Dude, I'm a genius, right? I know. It sounds a little silly. But honestly, if you abolish private ownership, theft disappears. It's gone. Sounds pretty stupid. I know. But I'm not alone in, in that thinking, if I had that thinking. That, that thing is honestly held by many people. As an example, the perfect example of the unconstrained vision at its fullest is a World Economic Forum, which they said, you'll own nothing and be happy. Wow. We will all be like children owning nothing, right? That's how you solve uh, people's problems is you no longer own anything because if you don't own a private property, how can you complain? Right? When someone trespasses on your property, it ain't your property, is it? Nope. How can you complain? If you don't own anything, no one can steal anything from you. Wow. 
It's so amazing. Basically, the idea is we will be like children, owning nothing yet living the best life. Which kind of just begs the question, if we're the kids, who are the parents? Ah, because that's what people don't want you to know. There's always someone in control. If it ain't you, it's somebody else. And in this case, it's the elites of the World Economic Forum. So now that we understand these visions and we understand which is the correct vision, the constrained one, their incentives, trade-offs, and solutions, now let's talk about the visions in practice. Let's get practical. Economy, uh, crime, social justice, and all this so that you know what to vote for. Because again, don't fall for empty promises of politicians because now you understand that a lot of the promises made, especially from the Democratic Party, are based on a wrong vision of human nature. And this is why they never work. So let's talk about the economy, gun control, equality, justice, and crime. And of course, we, we might always chime in on some other issues. So let's take the economy. The two kind of economies set out, right? Socialism versus capitalism. Right now in our kind of Gen Z-ish uh, generation, apparently we're going for socialism because we've been told that true socialism has never been tried because this is democratic socialism, which by the way, democratic socialism is just, just means that you vote for socialism. Like it's nothing different. The other one gets forced upon you by a totalitarian state. And then democratic socialism is just something that you vote for. But now that we understand these visions, watch how they fall into these categories. It's pretty cool. Socialism offers a solution. Remember the unconstrained vision always with the solutions. Capitalism offers incentives and trade-offs. So the solution of, of socialism is there's poverty. How do we fix poverty? Well, um, let's centralize control over the economy. And ta-da, everyone gets a check, right? Everyone gets a check. Everybody gets, gets a, a certain help from the government. And we're all happy, ultimately. Now, of course, socialism has but different layers. But the problem is, it always gets more totalitarian because you're still dealing with human nature, as we'll explain in, in a minute. So that's the solution to socialism, centralized control over the economy and everyone wins. The trade-off of capitalism is the free market. There are no guarantees. There is no ultimate solution. Poverty. However, it is the most possibilities. And this is why capitalism has lifted the most people out of poverty because it actually has opened up the most possibilities for people to by their own strength and with the help of incentives and everyone else, they can actually make a living for themselves. Because when it comes to capitalism, you will get what you put into it, 100%. This is what we have to understand. The idealist versus the realist, right? Socialism would be awesome. Honestly, like, wouldn't it be just so cool if humans weren't, like, human? Like, dude, that'd be so cool. The problem is, uh, if you want money... If you want to get something, what are you going to give, right? Because socialism is basically you get everything without giving anything. But as the old saying goes, you will eventually run out of other people's money with socialism because we don't live in, in utopia. We don't live in La La Land. We live in the real world. So you want money? What do you have to offer, right? It was It's the basics of, of economy. Before it was, I grow potatoes, you grow carrots. Do you want a potato? Great. I want a carrot. Let's trade. And that was kind of like the free market, right? And then it was like, well, do you want potato? I don't want potato, but he has my carrots, but he doesn't have my potato. So then we created something called money, which allows us now to trade indefinitely, right? Because now I have something that you can utilize in order to buy something else, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how economies were born. But the whole thing is, what do you have that other people want? Maybe you have a certain skill, a certain talent, 
And in the free market, that will make you money. Because folks, you can't force people. It's one, you can if you're the government, but it's not right to be quote unquote generous by taxing them an outrageous amount to just give money to someone else who didn't work for that many times. I mean, this is crazy, but this just goes back to our society that we're, 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 we just want stuff without putting into a lot of work, right? I saw a video recently. I might start doing some reactions. If you want to see some reactions, some of my reactions to some of the TikToks that we see nowadays, oof, you you would like them. Because this was one, a Starbucks employee who was crying in the back, kind of like almost in the, in the back room of the Starbucks as he was overwhelmed that he had to wear, work a full day shift, eight hours, Clo- open to closing. He was a full-time student and there was only like five employees, he said, and he was overwhelmed and this is why we need a union and I can't, bro, really? Like this guy voted for socialism, right? Because he says like, I can't stand working for eight hours, but I still want my money. What? I mean, dude, I, I remember working eight hours is like basic, dude. What are you even talking about? Plus I did night shifts when people called, like that was the way he was complaining. He was crying because someone called in last minute and he had to work a little extra. Yeah, that's why it's called overtime pay, dude. Let's go. Overtime pay is great. So here's why socialism won't work. Because humans are humans. Because here's one of the patterns you'll always see with everything that we're going to continue to talk about is the the unconstrained vision, which plays out usually through democratic politicians and leftist policies, is that their solutions never take into consideration the constraints of man. So they're based on the wrong vision of human nature. Here's why socialism never works. Because the danger of capitalism is the nature of socialism. Let me explain. The danger in capitalism, what everyone complains about, it's kind of the monopoly, right, that can happen. They complain about the big, big boss man, the big bad businessman, the Jeff Bezos of the world. Oh, they have all the money. They're wrong. They're getting richer while the poorers are getting poorer. And and people usually point to kind of the most, the rich guy, right? And they're like, you see, he's getting rich and that's not fair. That's too much money for one person. Um, do Do we understand though that like, socialism makes one big bad guy called government. Like the danger of, of, of capitalism, which can be like a monopoly is literally the nature of socialism. Only that the monopoly is not a business. It's a government. Like I want that to, to really settle. Cause again, the danger of capitalism where one person becomes the monopoly or one business becomes a monopoly is what happens under socialism. It's only just the government and way more dangerous because I don't know, I, I haven't seen a business that has like such political power and like an army behind it, you know? So it kind of sucks if it would be the government. <laughs> so that's something we have to understand that the free market actually creates incentives for people to create products that other people need in order to get paid. It's basically, bro, you want to make money? Make something that people need and boom. You can get your own interest. That's how it is. I mean, I could spend a lot more time talking about this because it's just, for me, fascinating that that the free markets, and this is why socialism kills and stagnates um, even creativity because there's no, who wants to create something new, right? No one can create something new because now the, the, the government own or at least controls large portions of, of the economy. So again, these two visions at play. One is the idealist, the socialism. Wouldn't it be awesome? It would, but it's not realistic. And this is why it has been, it has failed every single time. Every single time. Because I know, wouldn't it be nice to make a bunch of money without doing anything? 
Uh, that's nice. But remember, life has constraints. We don't live in utopia and we will never live in utopia. So the promise is to redistribute the wealth and make the economy, quote unquote, fair and just for everybody. I, I stay away from those people that, that talk about that because they usually mean just giving greater amount of control to the government. And when you do that, the government gets bigger and bigger and honestly can can take away everything that you gave them in, in a second. So the free market doesn't discriminate because the only color that the free market cares about is money. That's right, it's green. That's the only color that the free markets talked about, uh, care about. And Adam Smith wrote about this really, really well. He has a really kind of like longish quote in the, in the British English, which basically he says that a statesman or a person who thinks that they can take upon themselves the load of make of telling people what to do with their money one has a responsibility that he cannot carry and in fact if he has the following the presumption presumption that he is smart enough to fancy that to to exercise that power he is not to be trusted because again everyone has a human nature okay what about gun control Gun control is a major issue, right? I, I even saw Beto kind of made himself uh, famous, even more famous through some of the viral moments saying things like, we're going to take the AR-15s and all this stuff. And Because usually gun control, uh, I think rightly so, plays with our emotions. I mean, who who doesn't want a safer society? Who doesn't want safer schools? Who, who doesn't want shootings to stop, right? And, and this is where the conflict of visions happens again. The Democratic Party with the unconstrained vision believes that the circumstances, right, the institutions create the evil in the person. So if you get rid of those circumstances, all of a sudden you solve the problem. So they say the person is not the problem. It's the gun that's the problem. So take away the guns and boom shootings are solved. Schools are safer. Everything's good again, but we're back with the, the solutions, right? These solutions that never take into account human nature. But the reality of human nature that says Jesus himself, it's the evil. He says murder comes from the heart. Uh-oh. Even Jesus himself goes against the whole idea that it's the gun that does this, or it's the gun that creates this evil. No, 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 no. Murder comes from the heart. So if someone wants to hurt someone, They'll use whatever. You take away the gun, they'll use a knife. You take away the knife, you use a, they'll use a car. We've seen tragedies at par parades, stabbings happening in London. Uh, the common denominator between all this evil is man. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't limit stuff, you know, or, or, or whatever. And we can talk about those specific policies. But you have to understand that there's, there's a trade-off. The only way that you stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. People are like, oh, that phrase is actually not true. Dude, it totally is. How, how are you going to stop a bad guy with a gun? Who, who really wants to shoot people? What, you're going to say, oh my gosh, dude, you're good in the inside. You're good in the inside. Put that gun down. I'm sorry. There are bad guys out there, and bad guys will always somehow be able to get a gun. Because you really think that criminals will turn in their guns? Like If you make AR-15s illegal, you know, which, dude, that's another thing. Oh my gosh, sorry, this episode might go forever, but that's okay. You go to Beto's website and it's like, it's legal to carry AR-15s and AK-47s. Dude, that is such a, a a misleading way to say things because who thinks of an AK-47? You know, you think of a terrorist with an AK-47, which, can I just tell you, like, automatic guns are practically illegal in the US, okay? You need, like, a highly advanced license to even do them, but they're practically illegal. So to say like, 
Governor Abbott still allows AK-47s in society. Or Yusuf is like, bro, come on, dude. Like, okay. Anyways, we're going to continue. Here's the thing. Even if you, let's just say you you ban AK-47s and AR-15s. Like, what? The bad guys will be like, oh, shoot, man. They banned them. I literally just got this. Okay, I guess I got to turn them in. Really? Like, go to Mexico. When Mexico was disarmed, when the citizens were disarmed, guess who kept their guns? Oh, yeah, the cartels. That's right. It's naive to think that just because something is illegal, people were like, oh, yeah, 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 my bad, my, my bad. Like, I found this video. I have to show it to you. Um, I should be able to mute, like, it has, like, two cuss words in it. But this is, like, shows perfectly kind of how naive some people can be when it comes to human nature and things when you make things illegal. So l l let me play it real quick. It's it's, it's kind of funny. Okay. 911, what's your emergency? There's, there's a man in my house with a knife and I think he's trying to kill me. You think he's trying to kill you? Yes, please hurry. I'm, I'm hiding right now. Oh, well, you can't do that. And now what? I'm watching it. Yeah, here, man, you're so good. You can't what? kill people. It's illegal. Uh, any other issues today? What the? Yes, man. Yeah, I know, but, but I still think he's trying to. Okay, but bro, he can't, so dude. It's illegal. It's called murder. I mean, it's yeah, illegal, bro. I know it's illegal, dude. That's why I'm calling the police. I don't think he's very concerned with laws right now. This yeah, but he can't. Constrained video yeah, sure, that. legally, but I think physically he's gonna do it regardless. Dude, he can't. Put put me on speaker. No, I'm not gonna. Just do it, dude. <sighs> okay. Hey, yo, killer. I always saw it. You can't kill Buddy over here, eh? It's illegal. Oh, for real? For real? I don't make the rules. Sorry, that, I, I think that's hilarious. This is how people are. Like, oh my gosh, gun-free zone, schools. Shooters are like, no way, gun-free zone. Oh yeah, my bad, my, my, my bad, man. Hey, yo, killer. You know, come on. This guy, look, literally that's like the unconstrained vision and the constrained vision. The, the realist is like, bro, this guy's gonna kill me. The idealist is like, no, but it's illegal. It's illegal. Again, you have the wrong vision of man's nature if that's what you believe. We have to arm teachers. We have to have more police in schools because you can't solve the evil in man, but you can stop it. And that's that's huge. And I understand that this is a very sensitive subject because school shoots are horrible. So how do you how do you help keep schools safe? Is that you help stop evil. Again, it's the realist versus the idealist. Wouldn't it be great that we live in a society where there was no evil, when no one wanted to hurt each other? Yeah, but as long as man is, is in the picture, it's just going to happen unless it's stopped. And that's one of the reasons I didn't vote for Beto because he makes great promises that sound awesome, but just doesn't deliver because he never takes into account human constraints. Disarming responsible citizens only puts our kids in danger or highly limiting them because here's the thing about about politicians in power is because they might go with well I just want to uh what do they say they say uh, common sense gun laws common sense right it's all like oh, common sense and it for those that are more in the constrained vision of, of humanity and they're like um no I don't want the government to tell me what gun or what if I can't own a pistol or or uh, a rifle or whatever it is because I want to protect my family yeah I, I might need 13 bullets to protect my family, who's the government to tell me I can't have 13 bullets, etc. You know, there's all these kind of intricacies. Yeah, because we understand it's because of man's nature, right? Because government will start with common sense and all of a sudden they'll overreach because that's just what government does because human nature is in fact human nature. We have the wrong vision of it if we believe that these things will work. Well, what about crime? Let's take crime as an example. Here's again, the conflict of visions, the whole defund the police movement that is based on the unconstrained vision of humanity. Let's replace policemen with social workers, right? 
because, excuse me, because, oh, um, man is not really bad inside. All he has to be is reminded that he's good. So he needs a social worker to kind of talk, walk, talk him down. Can't we have both, right? And that's one of the good things. If there, there are many police forces that are doing that, and that's awesome. But we have to understand that the institution of police is not the problem. This is the unconstrained vision, right? They'll tell you it's the problem, that it's not the criminal. The criminal is, in fact, a criminal only because criminals do what they do because of circumstances. And here's the big problem. Personal, if you believe that, personal responsibility goes out the window. There doesn't mean that there's not external circumstances which aggravate a situation. 100%, right? Circumstances that might make a person desperate, but ultimately man has a responsibility of their own choices because when personal personal responsibility goes out the window in in your life then everything every problem in your life will be because of other people right other people other circumstances so politicians will rant against poverty and justice oppression as as the reasons people commit crimes but they'll ignore that the reason that people commit crimes is because the institutions of family, faith, community have been broken down to the point that statistically, right, it's not that a person in poverty will commit more crime, is that a person from a broken family will com- will, will tend to, um, to participate in, in criminal behavior. But again, the unconstrained vision doesn't, doesn't really talk about this because we have to understand at what point is someone responsible for their actions? And, and this is why when you vote, you want to vote for more funded police. You want to vote for the rule of law because when you don't, you get San Francisco, you get Kenosha, you get New York that after 2020, when so many so many cops uh, actually just left their jobs because of it, it was disrespectful now to be a you know a cop and all the hate and everything, all the murders rose a crazy amount because we have to remember that politicians and celebrities who promote all this stuff, they live in their own bubbles. They promote gun control, they promote, they bash the police, they promote open borders, they, they live in the bubble protected by armed security and behind closed gates. So again, this is this is something that's so important for us to, to remember is that I say this often, people will walk the 60s they will talk to 60s, but walk to 50s. So what do I mean by that? They will always talk more radical than they're willing to live themselves because the 60s was like a radical time in the US, right? All these radical ideas. And the 50s was a very like family, traditional way. So, you know, there'll be uh, liberals who will um, bash, bash, uh, or they will promote all the all the public system in schools, yet they'll send their kids to private school, right? And that's another thing that we have to vote. When you vote, vote for school choice. And that's something that Beto is completely against, um, or at least he promotes more of the public system. And that's something that Abbott promotes school choice for the families to be able to choose for themselves that, yeah, if they want to go to a charter school or a private school, it's a Christian private school, that they can use government money, that government money would have forced them to go to the public school, but instead they can use that as a credit in order to go to a school of their choice. That's what we should be doing. Again, these politicians, these celebrities, they live in idealism, but we live in realism. So like we have to live, we have to be able to deal with reality. But politicians will of course use terms like social justice, equity, and to promote their policies, right? But their policies have always the wrong vision of human nature. And that's one of the big platforms of the democratic um, platform. One of the big things in the democratic platform are politicians who talk about equity and justice, right? 
But the problem is that their definition of equity is also based on the wrong vision because the constrained vision says that society should aim to have equal process for everybody. Like that's equality is everybody having an equal process while the unconstrained wants to force equal results. Again, the realist versus the idealist. I mean, wouldn't it be just so great for everyone to be successful in life and everyone have a good life? Yeah, that'd be great. But that's impossible because people make different choices. Choices have consequences and people make different choices. But here's something that the left cannot accept. So when they see an unequal outcome, they assume discrimination. They don't don't necessarily take a look at people's personal choices and that's why they have a different outcome than someone else. No, they say it must be because institutions are racist or it must be because the oppression of society itself, etc. They'll always shout about making society more equal and fight for justice and they will create these equity programs. But the problem with equity programs is that they actually discriminate in the process in order to get these quote-unquote equal results. Let's look at education as an example. Harvard as an example. Their graduation numbers are not spread out equally between the races. So that must be discrimination, right? And actually, (laughs) interestingly now, for example, Asians uh, make up a large number of graduates or at least of applicants at at a disproportionate rate from like the rest of the races. And let's just take blacks as an example. So Harvard has actually now begun to discriminate against Asians because there's too many of them. Again, equal results, right? So when you want to try to get equal results, you have unequal processes. And this is literally a Supreme Court case that's being reviewed right now that revealed that Harvard is preferably ranking some races other higher than others. So and this is for admissions. Like, for example, a black student in the 40th percentile of academics has a more of a chance to being admitted than Asian style, Asian style, an Asian student in the 90th percentage, a percentile of education. What? Again, here's the thing. We have to understand that when you want equal results and you want to force equal results, you will have unequal processes and you will mistreat people and discriminate against people. So the best answer to it is actually the freedom which results in the most equal opportunity as possible. And this is something that Milton Friedman, a great um, economist, this is what he said. He said, a society that puts equality of outcome ahead of freedom will end up with neither equality nor freedom. Because the use of force to achieve equality of outcome will destroy freedom. And the force introduced for good purposes will end up in the hands of people who use it to promote their own interests. AKA, human nature is human nature. Government needs a lot of power in order to force equal results. In that power, they will use against the people. Because when you chase the utopia, you will leave reality in ruins. I know. That was a lot. That was a lot of information, right? And for all these reasons, I voted Republican. For all the reasons that, yes, capitalism works, if that's realistic. Um, gun control, no, not 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 in the way at least Beto w- wants to do it. And all these things, I voted because for this moment, right now, I'm not saying forever, because Republicans might, might change, but the Republicans right now, they're realists. And that's, I want to live in reality. The Democratic Party keeps making promises that sound great, but they don't deliver. Ask all the Californians who voted with their feet. As they voted with their feet because they came here for a reason. And sadly, then they start making like Texas what they left and ran away from. But anyways, 
go to Austin and you can have your little San Francisco mess over there. We have to think correctly, folks. And I almost want to start wrapping up this episode. Of course, this is the longest episode we've had, but it is one of the most important episodes that that we need to truly understand. Understand it is when we think correctly and we have these visions down, uh, down, then we can see through the lies. As an example, I went to Beto's website to see kind of his stance on some issues. And I was interested that I clicked on the LGBTQ plus rights section. And this is what he wrote. Texas is big enough for all of us no matter who we are or who we love. But instead of delivering for all of us, Greg Abbott uses his power to demonize us, divide us, and put us against each other for his own political benefit. He has spent his entire career attacking LGBTQ plus Texans, fighting marriage equality, and criminalizing the loving parents of transgender children for supporting their kids. Under his watch, Texas still allows employers and landlords and others to discriminate against someone for no other reason than their sexuality or their gender identity. What? I mean, I mean, hold up. What did he just say? The loving parents of transgender kids? Like, you're, you lost me at that point, right? Supporting their kids, yeah, by helping them, like, mess up their bodies. In many cases, mutilate their bodies. Oh, but of course... You know, Abbott's here, the, the bad guy, the bad guy. Here's the last part that really stood out to me. He's like, Texas still allows employers and landlords to discriminate against someone based literally on no other reason than their sexuality or gender. Dude, that's literally illegal. Like, Texas does not allow that. Like, I texted my brother. He's he's a real estate agent. And he, he actually sent me the fair housing law rules, which say that it's illegal to discriminate against race, ethnicity. Check this out. Gender right? Mentor, physical disability, religion, familial status. It's already illegal. Now, the owner can do it, but it's technically illegal to do so. And here's where the lie is. Although it's already illegal, they'll phrase it that way because what they really mean when they say gender identity is just someone who identifies differently, right? So it is illegal to discriminate against someone's sex. Like if you're a woman, someone discriminates for you only because you are a woman, then that's it. That, that, That is illegal. But, oh, but the thing is, what about the man who believes he's a woman and he wants to, I don't know, rent an apartment in a woman cohort and they don't let him? Oh, that's discrimination against gender identity. And that's that's what's that's what's the problem, right? But of course, they don't paint the picture that way. You know, I, I, that's just one example out of many that we've talked about today. I, I want to encourage you today, through everything that we've shared, you, you might need to really listen to some parts because a Christian should vote with the correct vision of human nature and reality. Don't vote your values, quote unquote, your values. Vote the Bible. Because the Bible has a true vision of mankind, which plays out through the constrained vision as, as we've seen. So vote the Bible. Don't vote your own, your own quote unquote, uh, values or your own conscience. Because people who vote for pro-abortion, they're voting their own values. But you can, you can be pro-woman and you can be pro-the-unborn child. Again, 
Don't don't vote based on skin color because someone looks like you. I don't care if the candidate looks like me. I care if he thinks like me and he supports what the Bible actually supports. So if you liked this episode, folks, I want to ask you to share it with a friend. I know it's a very long episode, but I kind of liked it. Give me your thoughts. If you liked kind of this breakdown of political events and cultural events, I'd love to do some more. Or if you even want to see some more reactions um, of, of TikToks and, and interesting things going on in culture, make sure to let me know. DM me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll see you at Question It December, December, November 12th. Sign up, ccgeneration.com slash question it event and we'll see you next week at the end of your watch.